I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scan Squad. I'm Patty Teal here with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson and one of our favorite guests. Vicki, would you introduce her? Absolutely. We're so happy to have back Judy Chrisman Yates, criminologist who writes this wonderful monthly financial exploitation newsletter. I just got my February edition and I needed to have her on the show to talk about some of the articles which are of high value and interest. And the first one that caught my eye was about robocalls and robocallers because we're all terribly annoyed by robocalls. So Judy, the first question that comes to mind, how do you know if you're getting a robocall? How do you know if that phone call coming through to you is a robocall? Well, thanks for inviting me back. When you answer the phone and you get a recorded message, you know that you've gotten a robocall. And most robocalls are illegal. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Tell us about that. What do you mean by robocalls being illegal? Well, it turns out that if you have an automated call that calls you and is selling you something, and you have not given written permission, then that call is illegal. And if you're getting one of those illegal calls, what should you do about it? Well, it turns out that illegal calls, people are fined. And if you're not on the do not call list, and we can talk about that a little bit later, there are things that you can do if you're getting illegal phone calls. Who should you report it to? You go to do not call.gov and they will tell you all that information. How are robocallers getting our numbers in the first place? There are two ways that they can do that. One is it's just random. So a scammer or someone might just have a list of a roster with your name on it. They might go to an old phone book, have a number. They just call you a random number. You answer. The other way is that uh, there are data collectors out there. They are both legal and illegal. And an example of an illegal data collector The Federal Trade Commission just fined a company that was selling people's information without their permission. So people would call and ask this company, you know, I want to know more about how to refinance my house. They'd give them the information on refinancing, but they also took that information and sold it to scammers who were using it for fake auto calls, warranty calls for solar panels, hearing aids, you know, whatever it happens to be. So you have to be really careful. So companies will sell your information without your knowledge. I always tell people to have caller ID and to avoid these robocalls. Look on your caller ID to see if you can recognize the name or the phone number. But here's my question. Can you trust what you see on your caller ID? It turns out it's really easy to fake a caller ID. The way that's done is a person buys a prepaid card and with that they get a phone number and they can give that a name of anything they like to include an agency, somebody else's name, a legitimate name. So you need to be really careful, even though you think that you recognize that name or phone number that's on there. An example of that is I had some victims that got calls from the local sheriff's office, and that is what showed up on the caller ID. As soon as the person answered, someone came on and said they were a detective and gave a badge number and said they were having a warrant for their arrest that was going out and they needed to pay money. And it turned out that it was not them at all. 
So you just really have to be careful. Because crooks can spoof phone numbers, right? They can make it That's look correct. like That's a phone exactly number coming from another agency and it's not real. One of the things that we also tell people to do is sign up on the do not call list. But why doesn't that stop the scammers? Well, it turns out the do not call list is a great place. Everyone should go there and you just sign up. You go to ftc.gov or do not call.gov. You can put your phone number on it. It never expires. And if you do that, that list is a registry for telemarketers who are legal. And that means that telemarketers can go to this list. They're legitimate and they're not allowed to call anyone whose name or number is on that list. Unfortunately, scammers are not legal by any means, and they call anybody that they want. Well, it's a good screening device, though, because it screens out the legitimate calls. If you're saying, I don't want anyone to call me to market me on something, it screens out the legitimate calls. So by process of elimination, you can just assume that anybody that's trying to reach you after you've put yourself on the do not call list is a scammer. And you can feel free to ignore the call, even if they're spoofing a number from a well-known organization or a place like the sheriff's department. That's a good point, Vicki. There's nobody left except for the scammers exactly. after you've blocked yourself up. That's right. Mm-hmm. You have a section that caught my eye. I love the title, Hover to Discover. Tell us about hovering and hovering over an email address and why we'd want to hover. What is hovering and how does it work? Hovering in this case is a technique and it's used to check hidden email addresses. And so why would you want to do that? Why would you want to hover? Well, it's always a good idea to know who is sending you something. So once again, an email address may have a name, but it's not really who it's from. So by hovering, you get to see what the real email address happens to be, the URL. And talk about the process of hovering. How would we hover on a computer? Well, it turns out the Indiana universities come up with a great slogan, hover to discover. So what they say is, if you're looking for that hidden email address, on Google, just move your mouse over the text. Don't click, just hover over it, and you'll see it will pop up the the address. If you're using another search engine, you may need to double click on the sender's name. What about if you're using a mobile device like your cell phone? Oh, yes. Well, mobile devices, you need to tap. There is no clicking, just tap. Okay. So you just hover it over the message and tap? Is that what you do? Over the name. Over the name of the sender. Okay. You just put your finger over the name of the sender and tap. Correct. And that'll make you know who's really sending it. That will show you the hidden address. And so if the hidden address is different from the address that you would expect from that particular individual, what does that tell you? It tells you you might be part of a phishing attack. So anytime it looks unusual, you need to do your homework. We've talked about homework before. So for example, if you have that address, you can type that address into a search engine like Google. And after the address, write something like scams or complaint and see what you find on internet that tells you about that. I'm assuming some of the things you should ask yourself is, did you expect an email from this person or group, or is this a complete surprise out of the blue? If you can't really verify the sender, you're probably not supposed to click on any links or take any requested action. I would imagine if you are not sure who is sending this email, you should probably just delete. Absolutely. Anytime you feel uncomfortable about what's going Mm -hmm. on, 
Don't answer it. You can delete it, verify it by going to a different search engine and checking on it. But when in doubt, don't do anything. So I'm going on my phone right now. For example, there's somebody named Marie who I don't know who it is. And when I hover over, it's Marie at Family Benefit. Anyway, longer address. But it gives me a choice to unsubscribe. And we've been told that you shouldn't unsubscribe because that tells them that you're a real person just to put them in your junk email. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, that's best because you don't know who it is. So by putting it in junk, you can have it deleted automatically and have it go away. If it is a scammer or a company that is illegally collecting your information and wants to hear from you, it seems reasonable that you should be able to unsubscribe, but that's not always the case anymore. Just mm-hmm. put it in your junk folder. If you do discover that you're receiving an email from a bogus address, it just doesn't match. What should we do about it, if anything, other than just delete or put it into junk? Well, it's always great to report it to FTC.gov, Federal Trade Commission, also to IC3.gov with the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center. So anything online, report to IC3.gov. And the go-to place for reporting all of this happens to be FTC.gov. There are many other places, but those are the two that I would recommend. Okay. The other article that you had in your newsletter talked about not engaging with scammers. And I know I talked to some people who kind of think it's a game. They know that the person calling them is a scammer, but they think it might be fun to just lead them on and pretend that they're going to get involved and sort of play tricks back on them. Why is that not such a good idea? Well, you're right, Vicki. I've had people tell me that they'll pick up the phone and they realize it's a scammer and they'll blow a whistle into the receiver or they'll mess with them and they'll take up the time. But bottom line, when you answer a call that you are not expecting from somebody that you don't know, you are one, verifying that phone number and you, a person, actually answer that phone. So the problem with messing with scammers, spending your time, is you inadvertently give a lot of information away, and people don't realize that. I hear the stories, and people go, oh, no, I don't do that. I never give them that. But if you say, for example, how did you get my number? Well, you're really verifying that that is your number. You've verified that. Scammers actually document, store, repackage, and sell your information all the time on the dark web and any other place that they can sell it. And so you have to be really, really careful about what you say. But if you say, stop calling my house, now you've added not only your name and your phone number, but they know it's not a business. Or if you say, I'm going to tell my dad he's a cop. Well, they know that you're living at home and your father is a police officer. That's information that they do not need. So there is a compilation of your profiles out there on the dark web and many other places that you may not know about. You're not likely to know about it. And you need to be really, really careful. I have people that go, well, you know, I threaten them. You know, they don't care. These people are thieves. Their job is to keep you online, to get your money, to get your information, because even if they can't get money from you, they can sell your information to other scammers. So they're going to make money. A lot of them will intimidate you. They will honestly say absolutely anything they can to get your money and or your personal information. They'll say, oh, you know, I record these calls and I'm going to, you know, turn it in or whatever. Well, it turns out there are 12 states, California being one of them, it's illegal to tape a phone conversation unless both sides have consented to that taping. So be careful. 
And remember, a scammer could be dangerous to your finances, certainly to your personal information. And yes, it's true. There on YouTube, you can find videos that say, oh, you can make money off of scammers. But let me tell you, the process is very complicated. It requires a great deal of time. And for you to engage with a scammer or any criminal is really negative. And I highly recommend that you do something more positive with your time. (laughs) So if you know that you're dealing with a scammer, if you suspect you're dealing with a scammer, the best advice is to just hang up. Yeah. I understand that scammers do put together identity profiles on people piece by piece. So what you're telling us is even if you don't think you're giving out information, you might inadvertently be giving out information and they can just add it to the package, which is your identity, and then sell it on to another scammer. Absolutely. Engaging with them at all is just fraught with problems, and it's something that we really shouldn't do. Even though it might seem kind of fun at the time, it's really not advisable. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Okay, well... With that, I want to thank you so much, Judy, for coming back on the show with some invaluable pieces of information and some warnings for us. We really appreciate We sure do. Thank you so much, Judy. Thank you. Do we have good news, Vicki? I do have some good news. This is actually along the lines of what we were talking about sometime earlier. We were talking about Medicare fraud. And my question always is, well, how does it happen? How do people commit Medicare fraud or Medi-Cal fraud? And why is our healthcare coverage so darn high? And it's because in large part of all of this fraud. So here's the press release that I received. Owner of physical therapy clinic convicted by federal jury of healthcare fraud charges. So apparently this defendant submitted over $300,000 in claims for appointments that never took place. So he owned a couple of clinics, physical therapy clinics, and he simply billed out to Medicare for patients that he actually never saw, over $300,000 worth. What was kind of interesting was the comment from the United States attorney, because it kind of talks about what we had talked about earlier. He said, this was about stealing and greed, pure and simple. Mr. Yoon exploited our healthcare system and billed for fictitious treatments on dates, get this, that he was traveling abroad or holed up in a casino. Oh my goodness. This conduct was as brazen as it was illegal. And this is the part that I found particularly interesting. Healthcare fraud is not a victimless crime. We all pay higher costs because of these types of fraudulent scams. So it is not a victimless crime, and we are very happy that we are holding these people accountable. The feds are holding these people accountable. So that's my good news. That is good news. I did want to talk about something else very quickly because I am getting so many notices and warnings about this particular scam. It's called sextortion, and it seems to target teenagers. It's just that I'm getting warning after warning after warning about it, and I thought I just had better mention it. This is, according to the FBI, adult predators often posing as young girls contact teenage boys on a variety of platforms, such as games or social media. They convince these teenage boys to engage in explicit sexual activity, while unbeknownst to the teenage boy, the predator is videoing them, is recording it. So they think they're talking to a young woman, and this is an adult predator. 
Then the scammer threatens to post these videos or these recordings online if the victim doesn't pay up. And the reason I am getting so many messages about this and so many warnings about this is apparently it's just becoming rampant and there have been suicides by these very vulnerable teenage young men and young women because of sextortion. So it's just good to put the word out there. Many of our listeners probably have children, grandchildren that this might apply to. And it's just good to have this warning out there so you can talk to the young people in your life about not doing anything online that they wouldn't want to have published on the front page of the newspaper. Right. Well, Vicki, do they know they're being videoed, but they just think it's to someone who is, you know, a friend or do they not even know like there's a secret video hidden or both? I think they probably don't even know they're being videoed. Okay. Or they divide this activity thinking that they're showing off to a girlfriend or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not realizing that they're being recorded. Right. Very sad. So, Vicki, would you share the fraud hotline in case anyone wants to talk to you about a scam that they may have fallen for or that they haven't fallen for but would like to share their story? Absolutely. Area code 805-568-2442. And again, 805 805- Five six eight two four four two. Thank you, Patty. Oh, yeah, thank you, thank you, Vicky. Thank you, Judy. Have a great week. Look forward to next week with you, Vicky.